0: Well, good morning, church. Happy birthday. I'm Scott Weatherford. Really glad you're here. Jonathan, you maybe want to get out my hanky and start waving. I thought I was back at Green Hall. Not that I've ever been there. So really, what a great song. What a great day. You guys excited to be here? Yeah, we're going to party today. Uh, There is a men's dessert contest that's happening right now, and there's a beautiful big chocolate cake back there. It's probably going to win. I'm just saying now, don't be bitter when you see me take home the prize, okay? Are y'all doing well? you really doing well? Yeah, the, are you really doing well? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm not in the hospital with a broken leg. Will you do that? Yeah, that, that helps. That's good. That's good. So we have some special guests with us today. We've got a, a church from Palm Valley Church in Arizona, and uh, I think it's Goodyear, is that where you guys are from? Where are you guys? Where's Palm Valley folks? Come on, there they are, right here. So you, let's welcome them. Yay! We're glad you're here. They've been uh, they've been working uh, this week down in the Victoria. Actually, you guys were in Refer- uh, Hallisville a Referio? Referio, building a rebuilding a house for a young man who experienced a uh, devastating injury playing football, and we are rebuilding that house and. Your generosity, a partner with their generosity and kindness is doing a great thing in the name of Jesus and Referio So let's welcome those folks there. You guys, what time is your flight? Seven tonight. You got time to eat a hot dog. That's good. So we go love on y'all the Texas way. Their pastor, Pastor Ryan Nunez, is a dear friend of mine, and we're glad to partner with you guys. We ain't no big church like y'all are down in Arizona, but we're a Texas church, and that makes it a good church. All right? So welcome. We're delighted you're here. We're going to treat you so many ways you go like one of them. Okay? So we promise to do that. So over the last six weeks, we've been in this series called First Life. We are really trying to reorientate ourselves about who we are. For 133 years, this church has existed to build lives and honor God. We've been unashamedly a disciple-making church, a church that saw people come to Jesus, be built up in Jesus, be trained for in Jesus, had been sent out by Jesus. and It's been a great church for 133 years. In this little bitty, tiny place, this little jewel, almost a little bit like heaven, uh, in the heart of the hill country. So it's the last six weeks. But 99 days, we've been in the 99-day prayer focus. And some of you have made it through the 99 days. Some of you, uh, my kids just came in the building. Hello, Kayla and John. It's a little church, and so they're here. So the Papa's in the house. So we're we're glad Kayla's going to shoot me in the head. Anyway. Where was I? We've been in the 99 days of prayer emphasis. Some of y'all have gone with us on this journey, and it has been an incredible journey for me and for our family and hopefully for you and your family. Now, I wrote this 99 days of prayer when I was just your interim. I had really no intentions of becoming your pastor when I wrote that 99 days of prayer. But God has a way about himself that he sets us up to do what we want to do even when do what he wants us to do even we, we don't know the way. Isn't that true? God is faithful in that way. Now, Now I've written another devotional for you I know I'm your pastor now. So we start Wimberly Strong next week. I've written a five-day-a-week devotional that goes along with Wimberly Strong. And that'll be available next week. It'll be available in print and digitally online. You could join us if you're watching on the web. You could join us on that. For uh, the materials, also there's a small group, our group material that goes with that as well. So we're giving you time to read personally, a time for you and your group to experience, and then, of course, our weekend gatherings, uh, which is really, really cool. That starts next week. I am so excited about Wimberly Strong that I almost don't want to preach this message because I'm excited about the next message. And so you're going to see how we're going to flip the script on what it really means to be strong and to live strong. So you guys look forward to that over the next Four weeks, but now we're going to get into this: the 99 days of prayer, and the first life is a reset of who we are. Now, let me tell you kind of what this adventure has done for the Weatherford family. Well, God brought us here to be your pastor. I've been your pastor for about three months now. Isn't that kind of crazy? I lasted longer than some of y'all thought or hoped, but about three months. I've been your pastor, and we've seen lots of life change. We've seen people come to Christ. We've seen people come into the family here. It's been incredible. For Tara and I personally, the adventure we've been on. We put our house in New Braunfels on the market, and it's sold, and we have a contract on that, and it's going to close on December the 7th. We found a house in Wimberley. Yeah. <laughs> this week, we found this house, and it's, it's crazy. We We made an offer. And uh, the, the agent said, they ain't going to talk to y'all. Well, Wednesday night, God turned the spout on. And by Friday, we had a signed contract on a house in Wimberley. It's close enough for us to walk to church, but I ain't going to do it. <laughs> so you know. But it's really exciting. We're really, really excited. We're closing on that on December the 7th. So we will not live in a box on the side of the road. We will have a home and we're coming to Wimberley and we're very, 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 very excited to be here. Uh, so it's, it's really, really cool. Uh, you know, if you're gonna pastor in a town, you need to live in the town. But our, our little church is, is beyond us. Because there's people driving in from Buda, from Kyle, from Dripping Springs, from South Austin, from New Braunfels, uh, from San Marcos, and, and even beyond. We had some folks driving in even from uh, San Antonio that come to be with us here, and that's really exciting. And actually, there's literally, it's going to sound a little crazy, there's thousands of people who join us online every week. Isn't that, isn't that wild? And so this 99 Days of Prayer has been an adventure for the Weatherford family, and I pray it's been an adventure for you. Now, I wanna set something up for you. I've not told anybody about this. Now, usually when I say stuff like that, our staff get a little nervous. Dan's a little nervous right now. Jonathan's a little nervous right now. But in January, beginning January the 1st, we're gonna start a month of fasting and prayer. Now, I believe y'all to fast between meals, so you wanna fast with me, okay? But we'll talk about what that means. Fasting means focusing on Jesus. It doesn't mean giving up something. And so we're gonna spend the month of January getting our hearts and our minds right for all of next year, the year of hope. Are you guys with me on that? And I'll be writing stuff for that and helping you lead through that. It's gonna be a great spiritual time. So you guys look forward to what God has for us in the days ahead. So today, we're gonna end this First Life series by talking about giving your life away. What does it mean to really live A generous life. Now, uh, some of you are going to go, Really? On party day, you're going to preach on giving? Absolutely. Why? Because it would have been unloving for me not to talk to you about biblical generosity. And if we're going to have a first life, a life that's, well, this is what we talked about Jesus loves you. And then we talked about how you need to uh, worship God by honoring Him with your life. Then we talked about how we worship God. We talked about how we connect in a family. We talked about how we grow in Christ's likeness We talked about how we serve God by serving others. We talked last week about making Jesus famous, doing the good that needs doing, loving the ones that need loving. Our group from Arizona has had this on display the last few days. Your generosity partnered with their elbow grease has produced great works for King Jesus. Referio is not gonna be the same after Harvey because King Jesus is making himself known in Referio. Now here's the deal about disaster relief or any kind of relief. What we do is we instantaneously come in and bring relief. Then we come and bring restoration. Next is revitalization. Revitalizing the church, revitalizing the community so they can live off for Jesus. So there is a process that we're engaging in in disaster relief. Relief, restoration, recovery, and then restoration. So that's exactly what we're doing in our intentional process. So we've talked about those things. And so now I have to talk about giving your life away. Now here's the central truth that's going to hold us through this talk. I want you to remember this. Hold up your left hand. Okay. That's this hand for you guys. Okay. Hold up your left hand and look at your left hand and say this. Sometimes I'm not faithful. Go ahead. Say it to it. Isn't that true? Yeah, sometimes I'm just not faithful. I don't do what I should do. I don't do what I ought to do. I do what I want to, and it usually gets me in trouble. Sometimes I'm not faithful. Now, hold up your right hand. That's this hand. Other than this hand, the other right hand. And I want you to look at that hand. And what you to say this hand said, but God is, God is faithful. Isn't that true? The righteous right hand of God is his faithful hand. It's his saving hand. It's the sustaining hand. It's the hand that holds you and holds your future. God is faithful. Sometimes I'm not faithful, but God is faithful. And today we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God, how this truth holds us and how he wants you to become like him. And God is incredibly generous. He's incredibly generous. Look at this passage of scripture. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our father, who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes nor cast a shifting shadow. In other words, God is immutable. It means he does not change, and he's not shifty. Do y'all know some folks that are shifty? They don't point or nudge anybody, but just shifty. They're just shifty. And God is not that way. God is transparent. God is authentic. God is trustworthy. God is faithful, and he gives us all the good gifts that come from him. God is generous and he wants you to be the same. God gives and he wants you to be the same. Now I've heard it said this way, that you could judge a person's devotion by their treasure, their checkbook, and their schedule, their time management. By your treasure and your time, you can judge your devotion. Well, some of you are thinking, well, if that's true, I, I treasure and I'm devoted to Walmart or H-E-B. Uh, but uh, well, we don't have a Walmart here, and maybe we never will, but bless God, we got us at H-E-B, right? I know some of y'all say, we go to shop at Brookshire Brothers. It's not an advertisement, y'all. It's just a sermon illustration, so just lighten up. But the truth is that we can look at these things. Now, why, why would that be? Why would we know that to be true? Because it really reflects what I'm caring about. What I have where my treasure is, and where a devotion is. So it really shows where my attitude and my mind is fixated. So how do I live a life that reflects my true desire, my true devotion? I don't want to be devoted to H-E-B. I don't want to be devoted to something else. I want to be devoted to King Jesus. How do I break the grip of selfishness in my heart? And the truth is I've got to break that selfishness by serving God i got to break that selfishness by giving to God. Now, Jesus spoke on giving a lot. He did. 15% of his sermons were on giving because he knew that that had captivated our hearts. Now, some of y'all are thinking, Weatherford, you are an idiot. Why in the world would you preach on generosity on a party day? I mean, I brought guests here. You're embarrassing me. You're talking about money. Well, I'll tell y'all, I'll to be really honest with you. I'd rather take a beating to talk about this. But the truth is, I got to, loving you. Now, you say, now some of you go, yeah, he's a typical preacher, he's after our money. No, I'm not. I don't know what you give, and I don't care. It's very frankly, none of your business. None of my business. And what I give is none of your business either, by the way. <laughs> you know, it's just, that's between me and Jesus, and that's the same way. I will never know what anybody gives in this church. I don't want to know. That's, that's between you and God. And so I'm not after your money, but I will say this. I am after your heart. I mean, unashamedly, full court press, after your heart, after your heart. Why, because that's what Jesus is after. He's after your heart, and he's after your devotion. Now, even though I don't like preaching on this this subject, I love you too much to let it go. So I do this out of love. And as we begin this journey together, as pastor and people, I I want you to know where my heart is. And I want you to know that on this big topic, that we've got to lean in it together and really discover what God wants me to do. Now, the big truth that's going to drive us forward is God's faithfulness. That's going to drive us forward. And this morning, we're going to look at a plethora of scripture that's going to talk about God and generosity and giving. And I'm going to give you some whys and some whats and some what fors. And then we're going to do something really crazy. You guys have a chance to be a part of history. Now, I want you to hold up your nail. Hold up your nail and wave it at me, okay? Do not throw this nail at me, okay? (laughs) Some of y'all say, he's getting long winded. or will chuck that nail at him, okay? No, don't throw this nail. At the end of this service, you're gonna have a chance to make history. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna take these nails and we're gonna make a cross. And I'll tell you how we're gonna do that in just a little while. So put the nail back and just hold on to it. And I'll tell you how we're gonna do this together at the end of the service. Because all of this is about Jesus, I'm yours. And that's what we've all been about, living all for Jesus. This church exists to build lives and honor God. That's why we exist. And we do this all for Jesus. So let's go on this adventure together. Are you ready? That's good. That's six of you. That's exciting. Are, Are you ready? Ready. All right, Father, thank you for what you're gonna say this morning, and I pray that you will speak through me, that it'll not be my words or my thoughts, but your truth that leads us to understand who you are and how you want us to live, and I pray you just speak, and that, Father, at the end of this, when we give ourselves away to you, when we go and we, we enjoy time of eating hamburgers and hot dogs and playing and celebrating and baptizing and all that good stuff, that we'll remember that you are faithful, And you put us into a family because you're faithful. And I thank you for who you are and what you're gonna do and what you're gonna say. And I pray this all in your strong name, amen. Now, I want to invite you to take your take the weekend with you notes out of your bulletin. Now, take those out so you can have a place to, to write notes on. Now, in the next series, Wimberly Strong, I will not be providing scriptures for you to read every day. I will provide a devotional booklet for you to read every day, okay? And that'll be online. It'll also uh, be digitally or it'll also be here. We'll pass those out. But so you'll have a a devotional read every day. Some thoughts for me and scriptures to read. But this week we have scriptures in the, take the weekend with you that'll help you with your daily readings during the week and a place for you to take notes on. So uh, take advantage of that. So here's the first question that I wanna really answer and this, why give? Why should I be generous? I've got this stuff, it's mine, Uh, I've got it, and why should I give? And here's the first reason, because giving grows my heart. Now, a big heart medically is bad, but a big heart spiritually is great. That I wanna grow my heart, and I want my heart to be enlarged by the goodness of God. And I do that by becoming like Christ, by being a great giver. I have a little granddaughter, and uh, she'll jump up in your lap and she'll begin to eat your food off your plate and she'll say, I'm sharing with you. (laughs) But in that kind of the way we live our lives? God provides everything we have for us and we say to God, I'm sharing with you. He's going, he's mine to begin with. That's okay, I love that little girl and she can eat all the sweet potato tater tots she wants off my plate. Because I love her, and so I'm generous to her. But I want my heart to grow big, and God wants your heart to grow big. Now listen to this passage. Since you excel in so many ways, and I love that, that Paul is talking to actually a troubled church, a church that was really a pain in the backside of Paul. But he's writing to them, and he says these loving things. Since you excel in so many ways, you have such faith, such gifted speakers I like that one in particular. Such gifted speakers, such knowledge, such enthusiasm, and such love for us. Now I want you to excel also in the gracious ministry of giving. Now what Paul was doing, he was addressing the church in Corinth that had a propensity to be selfish. And there was a great need in the world that day because, in that day, there was a famine in Jerusalem and fellow Christians were hurting. And Paul was trying to tell them, You need to participate in this offering, you need to be generous. And while Paul was saying that, not because there was a big need, but because there was a big need and there was a big need in them and a big need to be met out there. And so Paul wanted their hearts to grow big. Giving is a gift. God has given you the privilege to give, but it's also a command. It says in Malachi, I bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be no lack in my house. And God says to do this. Now, some of you have the divine enablement of generosity. You just love to give. And some of you have the divine enablement to make a big pile of money, and so you like to give. I have a friend of mine who plays a game with God. He says, I cannot give him, so I try. And the more I give, the more I get, the more I give. But he doesn't do it to get more. He gives because he wants to watch God be glorified in the giving. And he does a lot of us anonymously. And it's just amazing to me. He has this divine enablement to give. And some of you have that divine enablement. But all of us have the divine commandment to give because God wants to break the grip of selfishness in your heart. He wants your life to see it's not about you but about him. And so we should be motivated to give out of love and not out of guilt. Out of love and out of guilt. Now, if you say, well, well, preacher, you're up here talking all about this stuff and I'm feeling guilty. Well, that ain't about me. That's on you. Nobody can guilt you without your permission. You say, well, my mama did. Well, that's about you and your therapist now. <laughs> the truth is that God doesn't want to guilt you. He wants to love you. You see, because giving reveals my devotion. It shows you what I treasure. You remember Jesus talked about the parable of the hidden treasure? He, found, he said that man found a treasure in a field, and he sold everything he had so he could buy the field and claim the treasure. And see, what it says is that this is worth my whole life. This treasure is worth my whole life. And Jesus was telling us that parable... An analogy, an analogy that says that the gospel of God, the movement of God in your life is worth your whole life. It's worth you selling out everything your whole life, your whole life. And it just it's amazing to me how God does those incredible things. It shows you what I treasure. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. Wherever your heart is, there your heart and thoughts will be also. Whatever I value, that's where my heart is. That's where my thoughts are. That's where my devotion is. If you were to pick up my prayer journal, and I, I journal most every day. I write my prayers out. I've been doing it for years and years. And one day when I die, uh, Kayla and, and our son Caleb and Tara and John and the little ones, they can read what Papa's been praying all these years. You know what they're gonna find? They're going See, I'm praying for the condition of my soul. And they're going to see God, I'm be very honest with God about who I am as a man, a broken man. And they goes find me praying for them, praying for sweet Tara, praying that God would bless her and, and hold her and keep her and, and let her thrive because bless that woman, she's had the burden of being married to me for all these years. And then, then they're going to find me praying for them, praying for them. And there were prayers prayed when Kayla and John were dating. I was praying, John stepped in, I started praying for him. And, and, and lots of prayers for Caleb, our son. Lots of prayers for Caleb. And so I pray for them. And I see others of you in the room. You're gonna find your name in my prayer journal because I've been praying for you and always praying. And you know what, church? I'm praying for you. That God would move in your hearts and your lives in, in a significant way. And you know what else I do? I give. Give. I write a check and I give to this family that we might be effective because you have my devotion. The other day, we went to dinner with with the kids and and little Ivy, I said, Ivy, you want to pay? She goes, "Uh uh-uh, Papa pays. And She's right. Papa pays. Why? Because Papa is devoted. And Papa will buy ice cream every time because that's what Papa's do. I usually get in trouble, but that's okay. I've survived so far. You know, a devotion has to lead to an action, or it's just words. Just words. I can say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, but I don't show it. I don't love you. I can tell Terry, I love you, baby, I love you, I love you, I love you, but I don't do anything to show that I love her. Like she likes to be shown love by cleaning the bathrooms. So when I have a commode brush in my hand, I'm announcing, I love you, baby. Or vacuuming the floors or washing the dishes. Even though Tara is a very strong personality, I've never washed a dish correctly in my life. Some of y'all go, that's right. There's a certain way to do it and it's my way, okay? But I love her, so I show it and devote it. She shows it back to me in the way she cares for me. Listen, listen to what Paul said also to the church in Corinth. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes, and first action, their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord. It's their first action. We give our to the Lord. And then it it goes beyond that. And to us for whatever direction God might give them. They said, this is what they said. Jesus, we're yours. And by the way, we're yours too. I'm going to let you know a little secret. What we've been doing over the 99 days of prayer was a matter of renewal. We wanted you to first fall in love with Jesus, then to fall in love with each other. So we go, every time we turn around, you're throwing a dadgum party. What are you doing? Because I want you to love each other. I want you to hang out with each other. You see, we used to come and there'd be a little something for you. Now we've got a full-blown cookie ministry. Why? Because you connect better over food. A coffee cup is a man's shield. He'll talk to you if he's got that shield. You make him shieldless and he goes. <laughs> give him a shield. And it opens up his heart. And see, some of y'all are right now drinking coffee. You know, six months ago, your mama said you'd go to hell for drinking coffee in this room. And now you're just drinking coffee. Why? Because it's all right. We want you to fall in love with each other and fall in love with Jesus. And then we, we, we have to figure out, and this is what we've been doing, why are we together? We're together to change eternity. That's why we're together. We're not gathered up every week so you can come hear some boring preacher, or listen to some honky-tonk singer. <laughs> That's what Dan says, Jonathan, just so you know, yeah. We're here to be a family and to change eternity. All for Jesus. That's why we're here. So this is what God wants to do. It moves us beyond our words. It gives us an opportunity to give our lives away to one another. And it comes up from love. Because I love Jesus and I love people. And I want to do this. Listen to what Paul also said. You'll be glorifying God through your generous gifts. Look at that. For your generosity will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. You're obedient to the good news of Christ. Okay, I going to do something a little strange. I know. What's unusual? Hey, guys from Arizona, did you enjoy where you stayed in Victoria? Was that a good spot? This guy over here owns a house. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you who he is, but he's over there. And because out of his great generosity provides you a place so you can do ministry and it's an action of love. Of love. And y'all gonna go back to Arizona and say, Ryan, you gotta have that guy out there to preach. And that's an action of love. <laughs> no, Ryan needs to come out here and preach. And that would be an action of love. Their pastor, Ryan Nunez, has a PhD in physics. Yeah, what, I would be a step down from that. I guarantee you. All right. It comes out of love. It builds community. This is crazy. Now get this. As I was studying this and developing this, this is the things I discovered. All believers were of one heart and mind. They felt what they owned was not their own. They shared everything they had. Now you read that and you go, ah, that's nice. we will tell you something. It was crazy behavior. In the ancient world, you did not do this. They believed if someone had a need, it's because the gods were punishing them, and you just let them be punished. You didn't meet their needs. You got out of the way. You let let the false gods do their thing. Not too many years ago, I was in India, and there were street people on the street. They were starving. I had some food, and I started giving them the food. And the people stepped in and said, "Pastor Scott, do not give them food." I said, why not? He said, they're experiencing karma. They get what they deserve and you can't step in and meet a need because they're getting what they deserve. And I said, no, 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 no. I've got a God named Jesus Christ who gave me what I didn't deserve so I could give others what they don't deserve. And I could change the face of their future by meeting their needs in the present. And I gave out food. And the church there in India gave their lives away, and it flipped the culture. And because God is not into karma, he's into grace, and he's into salvation. He's into hope. He's into a future that's full of his destiny. And God says, this builds community. This outrageous act of giving by the first church turned the first century world on its ear. They could not believe it. They could not believe it. And now in the response to Hurricane Harvey and Hurricane Maria and Hurricane Emma, uh, Irma, or whatever, the church has once again flipped the nation on its ear because we are the generous ones. Have you noticed that the hurricanes have left the media? But the suffering has not left and the church remains. Why? Because it's just like Jesus. Just like Jesus. Why did Christianity overtake the ancient world? Because when a plague came to a city, the people ran away and the Christians ran in. When babies were put on the side of a hill to die because they had some kind of defect or a sickness or they were wrong sex, the Christians scooped them up. When people were hurting and sick, the Christians started the hospitals. When they were not educated, the Christians started the schools and universities. We've always been a people of generosity and our movements of generosity have always been counterculture to the culture of selfishness and being self-absorbed. Hmm. God stands with those in need, and so should we. Next year, we're focusing on hope for the whole year. And there's a series I'm gonna do. It's called Hope, H-O-P-E, Help the Oppressed, Plead for the Exploited. And it's God's view of social justice as found in the book of Isaiah and in the New Testament. And I think you're gonna be shocked how God wants us to lean into the people that are being oppressed and marginalized and neglected. And it will change us. You see, a church will never grow beyond its capacity to meet needs. Will never grow beyond its capacity to meet needs. In First Baptist Wimberly, for 133 years, we've been a need meeting church and we've yet to see our capacity because needs still need to be met pretty exciting to me. Giving releases God's blessing. It releases God's blessing in my life. Give freely without begrudging it and the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. I want you to read that with me. Let's read it together. Here we go. All right, you Aggies will read it slow. Here we go. <laughs> Give freely without begrudging it and the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. Do you believe that? Huh. Huh. Uh, let's read a little bit more. There's, there's more. Uh, Malachi 3.10. If you do give, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. See, generosity is the only thing God says, hey, test me on this. Let's have a little game here. Let's have a little game here. And he says, you, you can't outgive give me. Look, again, uh, Paul, no, excuse me, this is the Chronicles Uh, King David is saying. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have comes from you and we only give what we've already given us. Already comes through us. Now, I want to say this to you. We need a biblical understanding of the blessing of God. The blessing of God is relational. It's physical. It's material And it's practical. But the blessing of God is not stuff. The blessing of God is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's not the prosperity gospel that says, if you sow a seed into my ministry, you're going to receive a harvest a hundredfold. You know what that is? A false gospel. The gospel is Jesus. Jesus. And when you give to him, you get Jesus. And Jesus says this, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor God's seed beg for bread. I will meet your needs. I'll be the one who supplies for you. Throughout the Old Testament, you see acts of sacrificial generosity. When a widow woman brought in the prophet and she says, I don't have enough food. I'm going to make a cake for my son and myself. And we're going to eat it. Then we're going to starve to death. And the prophet said, you trust God and the oil and the flour will never run out and for the next three years, every time she scooped up the last handful of oil and flour, the next day, there was a last handful of oil and flour. The next day, there was another handful of oil and flour because God is faithful. Sometimes I'm not faithful, but God is faithful. And when I get to the end of my resources, I get to the beginning of God's unlimited resources. Folks, I've been in times and situations in my life when I had nothing but Jesus. And it was enough. It was enough. One time when we were in seminary, Tara wrote our tie check, 35 bucks, and it was going to bounce like a ball. And we went to the mailbox on Monday, and some little widow lady in a little church in Tallahassee, Florida, where I sang one time, had sent us a check for $300. Now, I know I'm a preacher, and my giving stories don't count. They do to me. And I will tell you, God has been faithful. God has been faithful. God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And he's the faithful one who restores, who builds, who equips. And the blessing is Jesus. It's not stuff. You know, one day I'm going to die and I'm going to leave all my worldly goods to my kids. They're going to be much, y'all. Kayla understands that. But my reward is not my stuff. My reward is my King Jesus. You know, you can't take his stuff with you. You know why? Because the stuff ain't the blessing. You go to get to be with the stuff that is the blessing and the stuff's a person. His name's Jesus. And that makes me generous. I realize that I'm a simply a conduit for God to pass through me because he gives it to me anyway. Ah, yeah, I get, I get paid a salary from this church, but not really, I get paid from God. I remember when I was a 23, 24-year-old young pastor and Deacon bowed up to and he said, boy, I pay your salary. I looked at in the face and said, no, you don't, my God pays my salary. And I thought, whoo, where'd that come from? <laughs> but I knew my God pays my salary. Not that deacon, my God. And my, and my God pays your salary too. Not your company, your God. And he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. And God's bank account got lots of zeros. How should I give? Prayerfully. Cheerfully. If you go be grumpy, keep it. Just keep it. God loves a cheerful giver, not a grumpy giver. You must make up your own mind as how much you should give, Paul says to the church in Corinth. Don't give reluctantly or response to pressure, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully. He loves it. Giggle while you give could be a song. Giggle while you give. Ha 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 ha. That was creepy. I'll never do that again, all right? (laughs) This is a big deal because legalism will kill your soul. But the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you think you're paying a bill to God, well, I owe this to God. No, you don't owe. You owe everything to God. You're just giving back to him. You're gonna miss the blessing. Give regularly. Paul said this to the church in Corinth. On every Lord's Day, each of you should put aside some, some amount of money in relation to what you've earned and save it for this offering. Give regularly. Now, some of you say, well, we're supposed to give every time we get every Sunday. You're supposed to give something. No, it just means regularly. I know some people it's every week. Some people it's once a month. Some people it's once uh, a year. It's regular. Give regularly. Learn the discipline. Give expectantly. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, that's in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Don't fall into the prosperity gospel trap, y'all. That's not the gospel. It's a lie. It's a lie. But what Paul is saying is that I can count on God. I can count on God. Now, this t- passage has been twisted, but I want you to be wise. I want you to be wise and to be generous. And there were partners together in giving. Because we lean in together, this church is to be the hope of the world, not the parachurch. We partner with parachurches in order to do the work of the gospel. Why are we partnering with the church in in Arizona? Because we're partners of the gospel. We're one people in two different locations. We're partnering with them. Why didn't they go through a parachurch? Because their pastor, like me, says we partner church to church, not parachurch to church. Now, sometimes we partner with parachurches because they're doing things we cannot do, but we partner with them to do the things that need to be done. So we're wise in who we partner with. We're very careful not to partner with parasites. Just saying. I had the generous gift of chiggers last week. That is a parasite. So let me just end this. Y'all had enough of this? Yep, some of y'all laughed. Dan said, about time, okay, okay. Why should I do this? Why should I live this kind of life? All for Jesus. Because I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So today, we're going to take a second offering. You're going, what? But we ain't going to ask for your money. I want you nail back. And I want you to do it in a way that you say, Jesus, I'm yours. So you have two buckets up here at the front. So during this closing song, as Jonathan and Dan come to lead us, I want you to get up where you are, and this is what I want you to do. And if you don't want to do this, you don't do it. Just stay where you are. Or if you're, in a, able, you're unable to make your way down here, you can give it to somebody else They could drop it in for you. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to come, and I want you to drop your nail in the bucket, and you're saying, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm gonna give my life back to you because you've given your life to me. And we're gonna take these nails and we're gonna turn it into a beautiful piece of art, a cross, and it's gonna hang somewhere in our building to remind us of the commitment we have made on this day that we will live all for Jesus, all for Jesus. Some of you today, you need to give your heart to Christ. You never have. But today's your day. I wanna help you do that in just a second. Some of you need to be baptized. And today's your day. We're going to baptize in a few minutes outside at 2 o'clock. We're going to baptize at a horse trough outside. We are. I've never lost anybody in horse troughs, so you'll be all right. (laughs) We have shirts, t shirts, we have shorts. And today's the day you need to be baptized. We'd love to talk with you. You could come forward and talk to one of us. We'd like to help you with that decision. And we'd like to baptize you today. Some of you need to become a part of this family. When you come drop your nail off, you can catch Wyatt or one of our other pastors. Sean will be here, Scott will be here. Uh, I'm worthless to talk to, so but you can talk to one of them. And we'd love to talk with you about becoming a part of this family. But whatever you need to do, do it. And I'm gonna invite you, come give your life away and drop your nail as an act. of Jesus, of yours. Somebody pray for us. And you'll, we'll stand and say, Father. I thank you for what we've experienced this morning as your word is taught to us about giving our lives away. And I pray, Father, we will do just that this morning. We'll respond with our lives. Father, some in this room need to give their lives to you and become Christians. They've never prayed and received you, and today's the day they need to do that. So folks, if that's you with your heads bowed and nobody looks and nobody knows, this is nobody's business but yours. If you like to pray and ask Christ in your heart, just pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I'm yours. I'm yours. I give my life to you. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. You come into my heart and you be my savior. I'm gonna live for you. Jesus, I'm yours. If you just prayed that prayer with me, welcome to the family. Christ has answered your prayer. For some of you, you need to come and be a part of this family. Just step up and step in. Some of you need to maybe rededicate yourself to Christ. Just step up, come home. There may be some other decision. Maybe you need to be baptized. Let's help you with that. But today's the day we celebrate all for Jesus. Father, thank you for what we've heard, and what we've seen, and now the actions of devotion we're going to bring to you by bringing our lives. And we pray this in your strong name. Amen. So let's stand together. And you come. Come quickly and drop your nails.